virtually with my mom today because oh, she's oh my goodness right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> don't get a break <laughs> she's that napping she can't hear you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and that was our sister, Kirsten. Okay, so mom's at home. We're trying out a new thing. Um, doing this. my house is not quiet. Yeah, apparently it's not. It's like a zoo. But, all right. Okay. Round, this is part round two. Boop, boop. Try 75 of us doing this. Yes. All right. <laughs> so mom's here hey. with me. But she's at her own house with every child she has but me there. <laughs> we, are we are only less than an eighth of them, or no, about an eighth of a mile away from each other. Yeah, yeah. That, right? Yep. Not even. No. no. So, today we'll yes. be talking about another old-timey case. This one is closer to home for us. Off the coast of Kittery, Maine, and Rye, New Hampshire, sit nine different islands, which... We talked about it earlier, but we'll go through again. <laughs> Five of these are in Maine and four in New Hampshire. The nine islands include included, they call them the Isle of Shoals. The yes. New Hampshire islands are Lunging, CV, Star, and White. The Maine islands are Appledore, Cedar, Duck, Malga, and Smutty Nose. So the island we're talking about today is Smutty Nose, and the year is 1873. I like to know out of all those names... Smutty nose, really? So, yes. Apparently, yes. The way it so there's two different versions. One is it looks like the nose of a seal. Okay. And they, I, or a smut nose of a fish. I don't know. It's something so, to do okay. with the nose of a, a sea creature. Of a sea creature. <laughs> I guess a seal looks or like it's got smutty all over it. Yeah. Like I don't know. This smutty is nose. this is what I hear. I was thinking that it's the first island they hit upon, and that's when their noses are all smutty. No. It's something to do with the way it looks. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's the way it looks. Uh, Norwegian immigrant, Im immigrant, immigrant named John Honvet Hon Hon moved to America for a bit for that American dream. Roads paved with gold. After seven years of John living here, he built up a successful trawling business. After that time, he became lonely, so he reached out to his family in Norway and got himself a wife. So, like... Yeah. 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 Assume marriage. What do they call that? Assume arranged. Marriage. Arranged. Arra arranged marriage. That's yeah. a mail-order bride. Pretty much. Yes. I know Kirsten likes to watch that, um, like, 90 Day Fiance stuff. Oh, my God. It's the same idea. <laughs> his wife was named Marin Christensen. <clears throat> Christensen. Marin was a few years older than John, so she was an old spinster, probably, you know, like 24. <laughs> 18. Right. <laughs> they moved to the small island, which was uh, Smutty Nose, and that's about nine miles off the coast of Kittery. Nine, six to nine, about there. You can, um, from Kittery. Now, if yeah. you go from Rye to the Isles of Shoals, I think it's shorter than that. I bet I'm you not, that's where they get the six miles in. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. They rented a house or a duplex that was called the Red House because it was red. <laughs> <laughs> John and Marin in their travels between the island and Portsmouth where John would sell his catch and uh, they met a 20-year-old down-on-his-luck Prussian man. 
Name Lu- Louis Wagner. <laughs> Prussian. Go over Parusian. that again. No, Prussian. Persian. For two years, John and Marion helped Louis out. He even lived with them and worked with John on the boat. In this time, they all became good friends, and Louis was treated like family. While John ran his boat, which was called the Clarabella, leaving at dawn each day to go to the fishing grounds, then to Portsmouth to sell his catch and rebate his line. I guess he had hundreds and hundreds of lines. So they. Uh, I can imagine. What did you say? They were uh, trawlers? Tr- trawler, yeah. You so drop they, them they in. dragged. See, I, I'm not sure. They call it a trawler, but I think it's like he dropped the lines and come back and pick up the fish. Well, so they I called it a trawler, but he would rebate his lines, go bring them out, drop them, and, and then, then come back. pick up the lines in them. Yeah, that kind of whole situation. Marin was small, but not frail. She was polite and kind to all she came in contact with. She decorated the house with bright colored paint and wallpaper, as well as filling it with lots of plants brightened up, because as we talked the first time we tried, <laughs> there's no greenery there. <laughs> No greenery. There's nothing. Nothing. All they got is maybe, maybe a low bush blueberry, but I remember seeing... They, uh, like a wild, rose bushes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, wild roses were like, it seemed like... What do they call them? Sea roses, right? Yeah. Desolate, I, though. Every a time I rock. say greenery, it reminds me of Dad's story about when... You hit, yeah. Yeah. The slide. Sled, right? The yeah, sled. sled. Is, yeah. And he, he um, I said, what's up all with all greenery. the greenery? <laughs> Because it was winter time everywhere. you over the mountain, smacked your mouth. Yep, got me broken. <laughs> I'm surprised. Never broken a bone. Knock on wood. Um, so Mary oh, became... No! What happened? Oh, you froze. Oh, well, I can there still... There you are. Okay. Okay. Because I thought I lost you. We're not doing this again. <laughs> so she became lonely, so they got a dog named... We're going to call him Ring, because Ringe sounds weird. Yeah. In yeah. May 1871, Marin's sister Karen came from Norway to live with them. It's said she came because she lost her fiancé and couldn't live there anymore. Yeah. Change of scenery. Yeah. Karen eventually got a job being a live-in maid with a family on Appledore Island. This is the largest of the islands. In October of 1872, more family came to live on the small island with them. John's brother Matthew came, as well as Marin's brother Ivan and his wife... And Anitha. Anthea. Anthe. I don't know what her... Anthe. We're just going to call her Anne. Because <laughs> it's A-N-E-T-H-E. Anith? Anith. Anith. Yeah, there we go. With the new family coming and staying with him, it didn't leave much room for Louis at the home anymore. He stayed for five weeks before he moved to Portsmouth to rent a room from the Johnsons. Also, with no room on the, in the house, there was also no more room on the boat. Matthew and Ivan working with John on the Clarabella, kind of... See ya. Yeah. Yeah, your third wheel so, now. Thanks for the help. Bye-bye. Yeah. John <laughs> helped Louis get a job on the Addison Gilbert as a deckhand. In November, Louis left the island. Soon, though, tragically, the Addison Gilbert was wrecked and Louis was once again poor and desolate working along the Portsmouth wharves. His shoes were worn and he was down to one pair of clothes. It's funny I to picture Portsmouth as like a... You know when you see, like, old-timey movies, like, in of England where everybody's, like, all the smog and the people yeah. on the wharf? That's what Portsmouth used to be like. The, the South End was, like, sketchy. 
is both nasty. Yeah, you figured you were Portsmouth. You were at the mouth of the river. Yeah, so that's, that's where everybody came in. Yeah, everybody came in. There was a lot of there was there was a lot of yuckiness down there. Well, clearly that's why we're it's talking scary. about it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's March fifth. 1873, John Matthew and Ivan left at dawn as they always did. They brought the catch and went to Portsmouth to sell what they had caught. After they did that, the plan was to buy bait from the train coming in from Boston that day. Usually on the, well, on the way in to sell and bait, they would drop a man off on the island to be with the women, but the wind had changed in their favor, so they sailed directly to the mainland. So usually they drop some, a guy off to be on yep. the island with the women. They asked a neighbor in passing in the water to send a message to the women that they weren't going to be leaving any. Yeah. So uh, they, they didn't get it. Alone. Yeah. They didn't get it till later in the afternoon. I mean, you, you're on an island. You think you're safe, right? Well, you would think you know your neighbors. Well, there, this was March, so there wasn't any, like, there wasn't anybody summer neighbors. Yeah. Right. And I don't think there was more. I don't think there was too many summer neighbors out there. Karen? Um, yeah was back living with the family since she had left her job as a live-in maid and got another as a seamstress in Boston. So she was visiting with everybody and spending time with the family before she was due to be in Boston. The Clarabella made it to the wharf in Portsmouth, and wouldn't you know it, Louis Wagner was there to help tie up the boat. Louis, upon meeting them on the docks, asked if they were going to be going back to the island tonight, and I guess he asked them more than once. Like, oh, you're, you're... here? We're, no man on the island? Are you guys going back? Oh, sketchy. Right? John told them everything. If everything was going to be on time, they would be. John also offered Louis a job for the day that to help bait the lines once the bait train arrived. Louis agreed, agreed to help them and went on his way until the bait arrived. Or so they thought. <laughs> the bait train was running late, so it was going to take all night to bait the hooks on the Clarabella. Hoping Louis would return to help them, he did not. Nope. So, more hands make easier work. Louis was like, instead. So, Louis had another plan to get money. An easy way, you know, instead of making. He liked, he liked the handouts. Yeah, well. <laughs> mm hmm. I figured baiting a couple lines of hooks would be easier than what he does next because I would think so. It's a lot of work. What? Yeah, the they last. To, I want to say they were pretty well. They knew how to do it back then, anyway. Yeah. As far as working hard, they really weren't afraid to row forever. <laughs> oh yeah. The last time mm-hmm. Louis was seen in Portsmouth was seven thirty p.m. that same evening. He had heard the bait was going to be late, and he knew that John and the men would be all night baiting the hooks. So he came up with a plan. He was going to row. Yes. Row. Row. Out to Smyrna's Island and burglarize the home of the Honvets. Honvets. His old employer, housemate, and supposed friends. On the shore of the Piscataqua River, Louis found a dory. So, a dory is a small, shallow draft boat, 16 and 23 feet long. It's lightweight, and it has high-sized bottom, flat bottom, and sharp bows. Do you want me to show you a picture? I, took, I found a picture. A dory. Okay, come on, honey. A dory. Do you know what it is? Yes. Oh, it's okay. It's like a skiff. It's like a skiff. Yeah. I don't know if you but can see it. But it's a flat bottom. Yeah, that. Yeah. 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 It's what they... <coughs> it's what they used to hang beside the boats, too, wasn't it? Or Like a dinghy. Row, row out to the... 
row yeah. out to the lobster boats. The mo- when their boats are moored, which mooring is right. um, what people In don't know is there's the a big concrete yeah. block out or something out there. You throw if big boats that can't come close to shore. Basically, you moor it's out anchored. further. It's anchored. Yeah. If you want to stay put for a little while, you drop it in the ground, and there you sit with no wharf, no pier. Or anything. Like when we went to Key West, when I sailed from Kitarita, Florida, yeah, yeah. Key, you had to moor out because the sailboat was just too big to get into the Key West port. Yeah. Like you had to moor, you There's you a rented a mooring, yeah, right. <coughs> um, so, uh, just his luck, an hour before he sold his boat. The thole pins had been replaced, so they were brand spanking new. Thole pins are the um, things the oars go into to make yeah. ro- like to row. He set off for a nine-mile row from Portsmouth. This money knows all while he was doing this. Nobody knew. So instead of baiting hooks, he's like gonna row nine. So it was eighteen miles essentially. That's a long. That's a long row. Fuck that. And especially in Piscataqua, that's like that has the third worst current in the world. Um, if the tide's going the right way, he would be fine. I, I think it was, yeah. I think the tide was probably going out. In his direction. Yeah. Around 10 p.m., the woman, not knowing the bait train was late, tired of waiting up for the men, got ready for bed. Marin fixed a bed for Karen in the kitchen since it was March on the island and it's Maine, so it's cold. <laughs> and that's where the oven is. Yeah, it's right near the fire, more yeah. at, and it would keep stay warmer than the upstairs bedrooms. Unlucky for her. Marin and Anthea went to the adjoining bedroom and went to bed. <coughs> Instead of landing on the spot the Clarabella usually sits, Louis went to the far side of the island on a rocky shore to make sure he wasn't seen. He watched the red house for hours until he was sure that the women were asleep. Before he went to the door and tried the handle. Oh, were asleep before he went to the door to try the handle. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I put In talking, I put a comma there, but there is no... <laughs> um, he pushed open the door, and it was unbolted, swung right open for him, and he left it unbolted because thinking the men would be home soon. He shut the door behind him and jammed a piece of wood under the latch of the bedroom door so no one could get out, not knowing that anyone was asleep in the kitchen. <laughs> Let alone Ring, who started barking, waking up Karen. Karen, seeing a dark figure silhouette against the window, asked loudly, John, is that you? Hearing her sister call out, woke up Marin, who yelled to her sister, Karen, is something wrong? In reply, Karen <coughs> yelled back, John scared me. Realizing that now that he wasn't going to get out undetected, Louis made a decision. So, trigger warning, we're going to get into murder. <laughs> and, but, you know, if he if he was there and they just caught him before he did anything, he could have just played dumb. No shit. Like, you oh, know? sorry, I was out here. And then, like, oh my god, I just had no other place to go, and they uh-huh. left me here, yada, yada, yada. Exactly. You know, he had stop. to kill him. Exactly. We're going to stop right here for a little intermission. Let's do our little dance. Uh, Louis grabbed a chair and hit Karen with it. As Karen screamed, Louis kept hitting her with the chair. So this is like 1873. Those are badass chairs. You know they're made for real. They're not real. They're big, heavy wood pieces. Chairs. Chairs. Marin was yelling from the room to Karen, asking her what was wrong. 
So Karen's like, John is murdering me. John's trying to kill me because she kept still thinking it was John. She tried to get out of the room as Louis was beating her, but... Oh, Marin, sorry. Marin tried to get out of the bedroom, but Louis, she couldn't because of the, uh, the wood under the blocked. door. Yeah. He blocked the door. As Kara's being assaulted with the chair, she was trying to escape him, and um, another hit, like, he hit, and she fell against the bedroom door. Yeah. And it, it opened, so she basically fell into her sister's arms, battered oh. and bloody. Marin, realizing the situation, dragged her sister in the room and slammed the door shut and locked it the best she could, so she tried to, like, barricade the door. Yeah, any way she could, I'm sure. Anthea saw this all going down from the corner of the room because, you know, she kind of, like, was scared. So Marin told her to run and hide. Mm -hmm. Anthea tried to get out the window. She stood barefoot in the snow right outside the window, still kind of probably dazed and confused. Louis, yeah. John, done trying to get into the bedroom, went outside the window. As he walked up to Anitha, she could see him clearly by the moonlight. She yelled, Louis, Louis. Marin looked out the window to see him as well. So this guy they let live with him, gave him a job, trusted him. He rode his ass nine miles to rob them. <coughs> so at this point, like you said, he could have cut his losses and just took off. Yes. Like I said, oops, sorry, wrong house. I thought, yeah. like, you know, I have nowhere to go. Yeah. He decided, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him. As Anthony's standing there like a deer in headlights, Louis walked up by a woodpile, grabbed an axe, and drove it into her oh. head. She fell to the ground, and Louis continued to axe her. Marin he watched the whole psycho. thing. He was a little psycho. They caught. They said that. I mean, back then they didn't have it, but they say he was, like, a sociopath or a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, Marin watched the whole thing go down. She was so close in her words, she could have reached out and touched his arm. Once Mar- Marin realized Anthea was dead and couldn't be helped, Marin tried to get herself and her sister out of there. She tried to get Karen up and out of there, but Karen was completely dazed and confused yeah. from the beating. How many times did she get her to hit over the Oh, a chair. lot. Yeah. She told Marin she just wanted to sleep. So she probably had, like, a concussion. Concussion? After Louis finished horrifically murdering Anthea, Anitha, Anitha, there we go, Anitha. he returned to the house with the axe. Now, at this point, he had made the decision he was going to murder them all. He committed one murder, and his intentions were to finish what he started. Yeah, he has no choice now. Now, this sucks. I don't think I could do what Marin did here. If it was me, I would have to stay and fight to make sure not only I survived, so, but so did my sister. And I would make sure the murderer did not survive. Yeah. This is not what Marin did. Since she couldn't get her sister up, she wrapped herself in a thick skirt, went out the window where the snow was bloody and where Anitha's body was. Ring, Ring also jumped out of the window with her. Marin ran along the shore to the far side of the island. She claims to have been able to hear exactly what her sister was going through. So... Um, yeah, Karen was getting axed to death, and Marin ran away. Yeah. What else could she do? I mean, I would, I would fight. I would fight tooth and nail to make sure that either I survived Uh, or my sister did. Yes. Marin with Ring crawled between two rocks near the water to hide. While Marin was running and hiding, Karen had woken up from her dazed and in, like, confused state, tried to escape through the window. Her sister escaped through. But Louis came into the room, swinging his axe as he walked in. He had hit Karen first, and then with the second aim, missing her and splitting the windowsill and breaking the axe handle. 
so he couldn't use it anymore. He had taken a handkerchief and choked her with it until she was dead. Realizing oh, yeah, you that... You couldn't hit her hard enough with an axe. So you gotta make sure she's dead by choking her. Okay! Yeah. Realizing that Marin had escaped, Louis tracked bloody footprints all around looking for her. He went around every building on the island to make sure there were no witnesses. Mm-hmm. Once he couldn't find Marin, he gave up and went back to the Red House. He dragged Anitha's body in the kitchen. He then brewed himself a pot of tea and ate some food at the kitchen table. They know this because they found a bloody handprint on the teapot and food on the kitchen table. Well, he got hungry. <laughs> oh, After shit. all that work. All that murder. Yeah. And all that rowing. rowing? <laughs> he found $16 in the house and dumped out Karen's purse, I believe, and found some change, like silver dollars and a copper change, copper coins. He grabbed all that, put it in his pocket, but unbeknownst to him, there was a button with everything he grabbed. And that button would help convict him because that button Karen had gotten from Marin. So Marin knew that button. Yeah. One other thing was that the clock that was on the mantle had been knocked during the attack, the first attack on Karen. So and it stopped at 1.07 a.m. So it started... Yep. Marin waited around until around 8 in the morning before she came out from hiding. She walked across the breakwater connecting Smutty Nose and Malga... And got the attention of the children of Jorg, George, Jorg, Ingers, Birdson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Who were were playing outside on Apple Door. Inger, Birdson. Something, yeah. Yeah. Are you looking it up? (laughs) I I have it. I have something here. Matter of fact, I was going around the thingy and he's his. Once the children got their father, he went and rode out to get Marin. He brought Marin into their home so his wife could help her and get her warm. He grabbed men and guns and went to search Smutty, Smutty Nose, and they were the first people to see the carnage. A few hours later, the Clarabella finally came home, and seeing a signal from Avaldor, Matthew and Ivan took the dinghy and rode over there while John moored the Clarabella. All they got from the people that uh, on Appledore was that there was some trouble at Smutty Nose. <laughs> Once they all saw what happened at Smutty Nose that afternoon, they went to Portsmouth to get to the police. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? It did not take long for Louis to be apprehended. He was spotted by at least six witnesses walking from Newcastle to Portsmouth. He stashed a stolen boat in Newcastle. He spoke to a few people at the boarding house he was staying at, the Johnsons. They said he had looked windburned, wild-eyed, and distracted. So, windburned, obviously. He decided to hop a train and head to Boston. So, he's escaping. He's running away. <laughs> If you're not he guilty, you're not... murdered two yeah. people. While in Boston, he shaved, bought new clothes and boots. He was quickly taken into custody by Boston police and didn't even ask why. So he knew. Yeah. After a night in jail, he, in Boston, he was brought up back up to Portsmouth. As soon as the train or whatever brought him up, there was a huge mob out there yelling, kill him, string him up. Oh yeah, now everybody knows. Yeah, so fun fact for us in our little town... Well, not fun, but, you know, fun. Hey, it's something to go visit. He was arraigned in South Berwick. Shut up! Yes! Which is our little town, everyone. Me and Hunter were trying to figure out where the fuck a a a courthouse would be to be arraigned in, but it could have been the town hall. all up on Emory's Bridge Road. And what about the, I think it was the schoolhouse or church? The central school. Hunter thought it might be the central school. 18-something? Yeah, 1873. When was that? When was the school built? 
Wow, I don't that know. That school was built in, like, 1905. Oh, well, yeah, so he was arraigned in South Berwick. Well, like I'm saying, the Great Wall, cool? the end of Hoopa Sands. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Road, or the one right at the end of Mountain Road that they're redoing. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they were, I they had more old. buildings. I know, there but is a yes. lot. So. But why over into South Berwick? Because. It's probably the closest place that had the ability from Kittery, I mean. Yeah, well, you figured Kittery would have because, it. Because, so. uh, somebody knows is in Maine, so it was a York True. County trial. True. Uh, he was then sent to Saco and then to Portland to be held until his trial, which would be in Alfred. Of course, Alfred. That's why yeah. I was wondering why they didn't bring him up there to begin with. Well, they probably arraigned him to figure <coughs> out whatever. Right, right. <coughs> the trial began on June 9th, 1873. There were nine days of testimony. There were 40 witnesses and lots of evidence against Louis. There were footprints in the snow that matched his size, the eyewitness testimony of Marin, the money found on Louis that Marin recalled was in her sister, per- her sister Karen's purse, and the button was still on him that came out of her purse. John had testified that Louis asked him about going back to the island the night of the murders, and uh, John also talked about how he offered Louis work and he never showed up. Uh, there was also testimony from people who saw him walking and a prostitute from Boston. So it's all, I mean, you had eyewitness. He, he was dead to rights. I mean, he, he denied it, though. Uh, he denied it till he died. His lawyer tried getting the trial moved, saying that the island was not in the jurisdiction of York County. Oh, this sounds like the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard that's in Kittery. Right. But as I said <laughs> that before... That um, that was part of the main islands. Also, why would he want to move it to New Hampshire where there was literal mobs trying to lynch him? Mm-hmm. That's why I figured they brought him to South Berwick. South Berwick is one of the honky-tonk towns back then. Yeah. I think if he, if they moved it to New Hampshire, it probably would have been worse for them. You, I, would, I would think. All the, yeah. Close all the fishermen the that were friends yeah. with them. Yeah. 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 He broke... So... It took 55 minutes for the jury for uh, the jury to find him guilty of, of the murders. He broke out of jail, but then was recaptured in Farmington, New Hampshire. <laughs> so, so some sources say he broke out of jail a week after he was found guilty. Some say that night. Either way, he broke out of jail. So he's trying to run again, as he did the night after the murders. He was then brought to Thomaston, Maine, to await his sentence, which was death by hanging. Yes, I Thomaston. Thomaston. How is that still part part of York County? Um, I oh yeah, I believe so. Thomaston, I've been to. June twenty fifth, eighteen seventy five. Louis was brought to the gallows. This time, he had a friend. Well, not really a friend, but another ex murderer named John True Gordon. So this guy is like a whole thing. I looked up about him before, like yeah. as I was researching this. He, this John True Gordon, killed his brother, his brother's wife, and his brother's child with an axe. Like, axe murdered them. A little jealous. They called this hanging of John True Gordon one of the most horrific, like, bloody hangings ever. Because right before he was hanged, um, John Gordon tried to commit suicide by stabbing himself in the heart. So, in other words, when you strangle, it's like... Taking a balloon and making... No, so, no, he, before, while in his jail cell, he had a couple friends 
um, visit him the night before his hanging. Yeah. They must somebody must have slipped him a knife because right before he was to go be hung, like <coughs> in his cell, he stabbed himself to kill himself bef- and not be hung. Oh well, I guess I'd much rather die bleeding. So out it than like it didn't work, and he was carried to the gallows by like four people. Because you gotta it, get hung. Everybody said that he was covered in blood and his face was pale and, like, he's clearly dying. <laughs> Louis walked himself there, clearly. Louis said he was innocent until he was hung. At 11.59 a.m. on June 25th, 1875, Louis Wagner and John True Gordon hung for their crimes of axe murders. It's kind of funny that they had two axe they murderers. Had, well, you figure back in the day, everybody what is that had the axes. Yeah, is this the only thing axes. you got to kill? Yeah. You know, they just pick it up at the front door. That, actually, so the axe from the crime is at a museum in Portsmouth. Which one? The axe oh, from... Oh, there's a maritime museum somewhere. It's right? called the Anthenium or something. Yeah, they yeah. still have the broken axe there. Oh, the Anthenium? Yeah. They have I the broken axe there. Huh. We have they to also visit ha- the graves. The graves are... Th- their graves are... Karen and Anthea are there, too. Are which actually... I the Newcastle? I want, they're right in um the big big cemetery, yeah. On the way to Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. I um I love that. That it's weird to say you love a cemetery, but the cemetery but is that's gorgeous. So pretty. It it's is. so beautiful. It's got a little mountain not mountainous, but a little hilly. Yeah, it it's has got the bo- trees. Mausoleums. Stone, yeah, stone walls. I actually I don't know if I'm probably gonna get dragged for this, but I I have a beautiful picture of Kirsten from a long time ago that I took at a mausoleum there. Really? Yeah, it's somewhere around here. I'm back when, you know, I hung out with back her all the time. <laughs> yeah. For the surviving victims, Marin and John would never live on Smutty Nose again. They moved to Portsmouth where John still worked as a fisherman. Marin and John lived in the South End for years. They had a daughter named daughter named Clara. Marin eventually moved back to Norway where she ended up well, where she died when she was old. Ivan, Ivan, upon losing his wife, stayed on Smutty Nose and worked as a carpenter on Appledore for that summer because he couldn't, he had too many happy memories of her there, Yeah. so he couldn't be away from it. He stayed there the whole time and then moved back to Norway after the summer was over. So, that is the story of the Smutty Nose murders. Those poor people. But before we head out and leave you... I am some thing I'm going to throw out there. This is news to you, too. I didn't, don't think I told you yet. No. So, you heard about that cab, Gabby case, right? The girl that went missing. Petito. Petito, yeah. Yes. I, it's crazy to me how quickly everything went down with that. Like, because, I mean, if you look at her, she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And why did, it, take, why did it take so long? But no, it didn't take. I mean, that's what I mean. Like people go missing every day. There's people that went missing in the same time frame as her. That there's no news coverage at all. Like you can't open a Google without seeing information about her case. Kind of. I want to say it's because she was pretty. She was going across country with her Instagram or a tweet or. Well, yeah, she was a. She she wanted to be an influencer, and I hate to say this, but to be honest, at first I thought it was a hoax. Like they were playing it out. To get yeah. more followers. Right, right. Well, but, you know, can't put it past people these days. It As much, you know, as 
like that case got and you got to look at her she's beautiful like she's a woman stuff like that i started thinking and there's not enough like coverage of people that go missing that don't look like her every day like i guess since may 70 native women have gone missing and Indigenous just, people are going to be on the top of going missing and being murdered. It, it's So every week murdered, on missing. Sunday, I'm going to come on the podcast and talk about missing people. I'm going to pick a state every week, a different state, and I will find four to five missing people who didn't get the coverage that they deserved when they went missing. And I know just obviously not a ton... There. Yeah, not a ton of people listen yeah. right now. I mean, we're still new, but... Getting information out there about them, any information they have that's new, their names, how this to contact. That was, what, the one 20 years ago? Yeah. Do you remember? She's still missing. I want to get, like, get, like, the information, anything new, stuff like that, and then all the information people can use to contact, like, who to contact if they know anything. Right, right. Just, so, I just, I figured once uh, a week, just a small, stars. yeah, like, like a little no. small thing. Thing. Yep, put their it's, picture on the website. Yep. Just <laughs> let people know. Yeah. <coughs> so, so sad. I want to highlight people especially who I feel like need a bigger voice. Like they didn't, yeah, they didn't get what they, you know, to get there help. Was, there was one kid when they were going through that, of course, when you're reading it, the next, the next one is, well, this one didn't get recognition and he was... Um, He's been missing the same amount of time. Yeah, same he, amount uh, he, of time. And he, I want to say he had a little more. He was a geologist. He and he was he went to a dispensary and then just disappeared. Yeah. So what does that tell you? So that's well, what I thought. Be great. Right. I. Yeah. It's gonna take me a couple of weeks to get it sorted out and figure it all out. But I was throwing it out there to let everybody know it's my little plan. Yep. So that is all for today. Thank you for listening. Cool, cool, cool. Do you have anything to add? I do not. You're rocking in that chair is making me dizzy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, also everyone, we have a contest going on right now for Facebook only. This ends Monday. So if you haven't yet, go over to the Facebook at the McCaw Family Podcast, find the post, follow the instructions. I've shared it multiple times. It's easy to find. You can follow us on Instagram at Macabre Family, on TikTok at the Macabre Family Podcast. You can email us at macabrefamilypod at gmail. Also, Nathan's sister, I got the cards and stickers. You saw them. They look great. So amazing. Thank you, Katie. They're fucking awesome. Shout out, Katie. Been handing them out. Nathan gave them to his best friend, Terry, to hand out to people he knows listens to podcasts. And we love Terry. He listens every week. Hi, Terry. Hi, Terry. Thank you for the cigars. They were great. Right? Yes. You need to get a humidor. I think Nathan has two. I'll have him give you one. Oh, pretty good. So, thank you for listening, everyone. Sorry. Well, not sorry to you, but sorry to you, Mom, for all the rigmarole of everything. That's right. Hi, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a great weekend, everyone, and stay spooky. Bye. Bye.